This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 183. December, within six months, I had three properties and then an offer already in for a fourth one. So um, it all just kind of pops out of the woodwork as uh, opportunities arise. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Brandon Turner. Come on down. I was wondering yeah. that. What's up, man? <laughs> Not much. How are you? Good, good, good. Excited to get to see you in a couple of days. Yeah, we're going to hang out in Chicago. That'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, we just had a fourth Hopefully of July. Hopefully we don't get shot. Oh, we won't get shot. There. Yeah, I've heard it's a little scary. Yeah. <laughs> we just had fourth of July yesterday. I know we're recording this out or this comes out obviously a week and a half later, but uh right. this weekend was fourth of July weekend, which was Yeah, how fun. was your fourth? You still it, have all your fingers. I still have I'm all my fingers. Well, I'll tell you this. So this is my first fourth of my new house. So my new house is on top of this hill that overlooks yep. my town. So last night watching fireworks, I sat in my hot tub and overlooked the entire town of Montesano shooting off fireworks. Hello, everybody. It this was the Brandon Turner. I was, was sitting in my hot tub with <laughs> drinking wine and champagne. No, I was with, with, I was with my mom and dad. I was with my doing fireworks. <laughs> I was with my mom and dad. But no, seriously, like my mom and dad are visiting right now. Hey, Brandon. Seeing the new little girl. Yeah. Hey, hey Brandon. Yeah. Could you pass the grape upon? <laughs> I'm just saying, I've just bought this new house and it's incredible watching the fireworks. I'm like people letting <laughs> off their own fireworks down. It's amazing. So next year, South, everyone's South invited. And next week, Woo-hoo! everyone's invited to my house for hot fireworks. Hot tub time machine. Yeah, hot tub time machine. Yeah. <laughs> in, in another quick story. So in typical fashion, so last Saturday night or two nights before 4th of July, it's a Saturday night at 11 o'clock p.m. My office manager who answers phone calls is on vacation. So I'm answering phones. And 1130 at night or 11 o'clock at night, a water heater blows up. Or not blows up, but, you know ruptures and leaks water everywhere on a weekend and a holiday imagine getting a plumber in podunk at 11 at night and so uh, let me guess you were fixing it yourself i was not i actually just hired a full-time contractor you know so like i called him up and was like hey uh joe you remember how i said middle of the night phone calls never happen and he just burst out laughing i'm like yeah (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) he took care of it but anyway Uh, typical right good stuff yeah anyway fourth of july yeah Yeah, happy independence happy independence day yeah all right, nice. let's move on. Oh, shall we? Shall we? We shall. Quick tip. All right, guys, why don't we go to today's quick tip? Quick tip. Uh, today's quick tip is, you know, so we released a book a few months ago called The Book on Managing Rental Properties, and alongside it, we released the book on managing, did I just say that? The book you on said... rental property investing and the book on managing rental properties. Managing, yes, All right, and I rental properties. I don't speak yeah. A very well All right, so we released these two books, and at the time, we did not release the, what's it called, the audio book of the book yes. on managing. Well, now- yeah, the, it officially is out now. The Audible version of the book on managing rental properties is now on Audible. Yes. So check it out. So go, go to Amazon Audible, and or Audible out. and you'll get there. Or if you want to get both books, find the package that we offer. You can go to biggerpockets.com slash rental book. And the reason that that took so long is because your lovely, 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 <laughs> lovely wife, Heather... She was going to record it, but was she, going to, she yes. was going to record it, but it, she got a little bit busy with a baby, so and being pregnant. So I otherwise up, she chickened out. She chickened out. So I recorded the whole thing. Yes, uh, which uh, you know, not which as good as my wife. It's a shame. My wife's got a better voice than I do, but whatever. Yeah, you know, it's oh, still well. her content mostly. Like she wrote a good two thirds of that book. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Because she's a smart cool. one. She is. She is. She is. All right. Yeah. Well, let's talk quickly about today's guest. She's amazing. amazing. Today's show is not a show about how do I go and make, do a billion deals. Today's show is for those of you folks who are sitting around saying, you know, you guys talk to a lot of people who done it, do a ton of deals. Why don't you talk to more people who are just kind of doing it on the side to build wealth for their family, financial independence, things like that. And, and that's what this show is about. You know, she's working a job. She's picked up a bunch of properties. And at the end of the day, you know, she doesn't want to be a full-time real estate investor. That's not her purpose. Her purpose is to use real estate as a tool to build wealth while she continues to go ahead and, yeah. you know, build her life. Yeah. And it's been a year. I mean, she's been doing this one year now and she's gotten a bunch of properties, achieved, you know, some really cool milestones. And uh, you guys are going to love it. Super relatable, super fun. Yeah, it's, and, uh, it's awesome. Cool, so. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. 
With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. All right, guys, this is show 183 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. And you can check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 183. And before we get to our guest, Sarah, really quickly, if you are not a subscriber to the show on Stitcher, iTunes, where else is it? Google Play, you name it, SoundCloud, go to these places that you want to consume it. And there's a little subscribe button typically and hit that subscribe button, add yourself as a subscriber so that you can get all the shows as they come out. And it helps us out. And of course, it does help us out and leave us a rating and review if you have a chance. So with that, let's bring on... Sarah, Sarah Pritchett, like we said before, she's just, she's doing these great things. She's building this wealth. It's really interesting. Great lady. And I'm very, very excited to have her on the show. And, and the best part about it, if you wait until the famous four, there's a challenge between Brandon and Sarah, which uh, hopefully <laughs> we'll all get to see one day. So yeah, hopefully. stay tuned, listen up and let's bring her in. All right, Sarah, welcome to the show. It's good to have you here. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, so you've listened to the Bigger Pockets podcast before, correct? You're like a listener. Is that correct? Yes, I've been listening since probably, I don't know, a little over a year and a half. Okay, cool. So one of the reasons I like having people on the show like your story today is you haven't done hundreds and hundreds of deals, but you set out a goal, and we're going to talk about all this. You set out a goal, you wanted financial freedom, you started listening, started learning, and now you're crushing it, and it's awesome. And so I'm excited to talk with you today and kind of learn your story, because all I know is an overview, so pretty excited. Okay, yeah, great. Cool. Here's right. here's a secret to the to the crowd. Sarah is fascinating. <laughs> That's what I hear. Josh Josh has said that before. Well, you know, as as you can, you'll you'll be able to see on our photo of the cover photo for the podcast. You know, she's she's rocking the uh, fighter pilot helmet. So let's talk about that really quick. Are you fly fighter jets? What what is it that you do? No, no. That was a very lucky day. I got a ride in an F-16. Nice. <laughs> but I, I got a ride um, in, in a really crappy taxi cab with, you know, vomit next to me once. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So no cash cab or anything? It was just, just no. vomit. No. <laughs> yeah. Although if I went in an F-16, I'd probably puke. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's hard not to uh, with the type of it, it was just very intense. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the Air Force and I went through ROTC at University of Michigan from Troy, Michigan, not Detroit. So a lot of people, when they hear Troy, they hear Detroit. And I know Josh's hatred of Detroit, but I have hatred of nothing. Okay. (laughs) 
Well, you know, a lot of people know that movie, Eight Mile. So I grew up on 18 Mile, which is a nice suburb of Detroit. And I guess from there, I went active duty Air Force and moved to the Destin, Florida area for four years. And now I'm here in Colorado. So it's it's been a tough go in the Air Force, really. But okay. it's a lot of fun. Okay, so how did you decide that you wanted to do something differently or you wanted to start buying real estate? I mean, what's, how did that transition come about? Sure, sure. Uh, I think it was December 2014. I plugged into Mr. Money Mustache. Kind of learning personal yeah. finance is interesting to me because in 2009 is when I entered the workforce and that's when a lot of craziness was going on in our economy. Real, real quick, for those who don't know, what does that mean, Mr. Money Mustache? I mean, me and Josh oh, know yes. Mr. Money but What of is course. that? Okay, so Mr. Money Mustache is a blog, and he's actually from Longmont, Colorado, not too far down the street from where we are now. But Mr. Money Mustache's financial independence, financial freedom blog. So he does a lot of, I think he worked until he was 30, and then he retired, and now he only works because he wants to work. And I thought that was an amazing feat to achieve at 30. And uh, part of the ways that he did that was, you know, saving up and he talked about real estate a little bit in his blog as well. So but a lot, a lot of it is about just cutting costs and yeah, for a little frugality. Sure. And it is. Yes. Extreme frugality, I would call it. <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess it depends. His is more, yeah, it's a lifestyle blog. He talks about how, you know, you don't have to get a first class ticket somewhere. You can enjoy, it's okay to, you know, slum it a little bit, I guess. Enjoy doing your own work and not spending a fortune on things you don't need. So There you go. There you go. So you discovered this world of financial independence. How did it manifest for you? Well, when you say manifest in terms of uh, how did I decide that I wanted to pursue it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, a lot of it is, well, the book Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, when you're kind of learning your financial blueprints, you know, when I was growing up, our our family situation changed and suddenly, you know, that idea of it's not always going to be a comfortable lifestyle. You're going to, I don't know, face challenges in your life. The economy will go up and down. Uh, I just wanted that security. And I really like that lifestyle of not, you know, even though I'm in the military, you know, waking up really early and <laughs> all that kind of stuff doesn't seem uh, attractive for the next, you know, at least 20 years. And I like to travel. So, uh, you know, we're going to South Korea in a few weeks. And so I just wanted, uh, I guess, to eventually make a lifestyle where if something bad happened, I'd have a fallback plan. And if I want to travel the world, I can do that. So. I love it. Cool. Yeah. So let's talk about real estate then. How did you transition into buying real estate? I transitioned into buying real estate after kind of learning from, again, Mr. Money Mustache, doing a lot of research on his blog. And then, you know, pretty much any real estate question I had that I put into Google would redirect me to bigger pockets. Yeah. So it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it took me maybe two weeks to plug in immediately. I, I mean, just straight from what is real estate? How can I get into real estate to being a member on Bigger Pockets blog? And I started, uh, you know, looking, I guess, about everything, just kind of bringing everything in, looking on the forums, reading everything, uh, hopping on your webinars, Brandon, everything. So that's awesome. And, I know you came to my yeah. webinars, which people can sign yeah. up for at biggerpockets.com slash webinar. We're doing, we're doing one this Wednesday. <laughs> anyway, nice. yeah, I like that. All right. Anyway. Yeah. So you started learning, started growing, started uh, kind of networking and, and all that. So uh, how did the first purchase come about? First purchase came about when I did, uh, well, I felt comfortable. I was starting to analyze properties, realize that, you know, how do I, uh, what makes a good property? And I settled on actually a place I'd been in in Florida because real estate is a little less competitive there. And here in Denver, it's exploding and it's hard for even people looking for primary residence. I have a friend who, who's been looking for a month for a house and they just get outbid, I mean, by $20,000 plus, you know, cash offers for a house worth, you know, over $300,000. It's, it's nuts out here. So yeah. um, I decided to kind of start down in Florida where again, yeah, real estate's a little less competitive. It is a little cheaper. I know the market really well. It's a military area. So I know I'm going to get, you know, renters at least. So I tried to jump in. First deal was a an attempt at a short sale, which came back and it, you know, it didn't end up working out, but we just kind of kept trying to put in some offers with my real estate agent. And eventually we found one, we found our first deal and it was actually a little less than a year ago. 
That's awesome. So a little else than a year ago you started. Now, before we get into that deal, I want to point out a couple quick things I noticed here. First of all, you know, you decided that it was too expensive or too competitive in Denver. So you went somewhere else. Now, a lot of our listeners are having that same problem. They live in LA and New York and Seattle and Denver, whatever, and things are too expensive. So a lot of people have a choice of I can either, you know, not invest or I can try to go elsewhere. And that's a tough decision for people. Uh, so what I like is that you you did invest somewhere else, but you didn't just, you know, go to a map and throw a dart. Like you picked somewhere that you had a competitive advantage. Like you knew Florida. And so I, I just think that I want to commend you on that. I mean, again, you didn't just say, hey, some guy in the podcast said Florida was good. Let's go and buy there. <laughs> Point of clarification. I, I don't think she said she knew Florida, like the whole Florida. That's a, that's sure. a pretty big state, Brandon. I, you know, <laughs> I bet true. you it's probably a submarket within Florida, but that's probably so, true. You, you know, yeah, going for an entire state is probably a bit wide in, in terms of your farm. So you, you chose what specific market again? I chose where I lived in Florida. So okay. specifically, yeah, it was Fort Walton Beach area near Eglin Air Force Base. So. Right on. Awesome. And mm-hmm. so you picked near Air Force Base because you also have experience with military stuff. So again, it's another one of those competitive advantages. You went somewhere that you knew. I mean, even if people haven't lived in another area, maybe they have family members somewhere else. Maybe they have they, they travel there a lot, whatever. Like, if you're going to invest out of the area, it's really, really helpful to do what you did. I think that's great. Exactly. And for those of, for people, I guess, who aren't particularly priced out of their area, but it is very competitive, you know, once you start networking and getting those connections, I mean, part of that is how I got my two condos here in Colorado, even though the market is crazy. So. Oh, cool. Nice. So yeah, we'll definitely get to that. So let's go to that first deal. Yeah. Okay. You don't have any more that you wanted to point out? Brandon? Oh, I think I did. What else was I going to point out? I don't remember. I lost. What do you want to point just out? Just trying to keep everybody on track. I, I, well, I just wanted to point out how well you interrupted her. I know. Um, that's what I do. Yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> right. There were two things, and I don't remember the second, so whatever. It'll come to me. But let's All go right, to that first to, deal. Let's okay. go to that deal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, my first deal, you know, I was talking about the short sale that ended up falling through. But, you know, I we thought, okay, short sale, we're going to put an offer on something that is worth more, and we're just going to take over what's left over on the, on the mortgage, which is an amazing idea. And the cool thing about this is there was an HOA on that particular property and the front of the property needed painting. It looked really, really bad, but the inside of the property looked great. So apparently this property wasn't getting a lot of attention. And I called up the HOA asking, Hey, what do you cover? Do you cover the outside, you know, getting all their information? And they said, yeah, Hey, we'll, we'll paint it for, you know, that's our duty. And the owners didn't even know that they didn't know that they could call. And so that was kind of an edge to get in on the short sale that again, wasn't getting a lot of attention, but After a few months, they came back and they said, hey, we actually need a little bit more money to make this deal work. And my numbers didn't work out. So I I went looking at a bunch of other properties, putting offers on them. So after moving away from the short sale, we moved into other townhouses in the area. And we actually found one just down the street. So again, same area. We knew the rental type stuff. You know, how how much is it going to rent for each month? How old is it? All of that. This one didn't particularly have an HOA put an offer on it and it was accepted and that all ended up working out. There were some obstacles on it, but you know, we were determined to get that first rental and, and it eventually worked out, I guess it was good. Okay, so the first rental was a townhouse. Yes. Okay. Can you give us a little more information about the townhouse, any numbers, any kind of info to help us out? Yeah. So the first townhouse that we actually got a deal on, it was for sale for, I think, I don't know, maybe 95 or something. We ended up getting it for 89 closing costs all paid for, which was also good because you save a little of money there um, versus in a competitive market where, you know, in a competitive market, it's really hard to get those closing fees covered. Yeah. Uh, but it was a two bedroom, two and a half bathroom with a fenced in yard. So we knew this would be really attractive because, and it also had a one car garage, which which a lot of townhouses in that area don't. And, you know, if you get high wind, you know, hurricanes can come into that area or tropical storms. So a lot of people like to have covered, you know, covered parking. A lot of people like fence yards in case they have kids or pets. And the good thing about having two bedroom, two and a half bath is that each bedroom upstairs has two, its own bathroom and then, you know, the half bath downstairs. So we knew that would be attractive. It cash flows very nicely and you're attracting 
good tenants as well because you know most people at least are employed by the multiple military bases in that area and oftentimes those come with a contract so they have reliable income yeah i love nice. that i love that that's great oh i was gonna ask about the hoa thing so this property the townhouse has an hoa is that correct uh, this one particularly does not. Oh, okay. Actually. Okay. Really? Okay. Because I know you mentioned that earlier with the other ones you were looking at the the, the HOA. So this one doesn't. Uh, would you buy a property? I mean, you have condos, so you must buy them with HOAs. What's your thoughts yes. on that? Yeah, I think HOAs. I mean, it, I as long as they seem to have the proper reserves, you know, I'll ask around a lot to see, hey, how is the rest of the property looking? You know, the real estate agent will have a pretty good idea as well. If I contact the HOA and they don't get back to me for a week, then, you know, that might be an issue, but maybe not. Uh, but I have no issue investing in places with HOAs. Of course, the two condos here in Colorado, HOAs are very high here, in my opinion. I'm sure they're higher elsewhere, but they are pretty high. You can get fine HOAs for, you know, a little condo that are upwards of $300 a month. But if you can make the cash flow work, then I'm not really concerned about it. So sure. okay. you just have to factor those numbers into your costs. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I find yeah. it interesting the whole condo thing. Some people like Josh or, you know, Josh had really bad experience with condos. Other people uh, have, you know, good luck with them. So, you know, it's, yeah. again, everyone's different. Yes. And, yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I, I was talking to a buddy this weekend who is the president of an HOA. And he's like hardcore, all about, you know, making sure everything is efficient, you know, runs it really well. And, you know, I would buy a condo in an HOA that he's running. But then again, I've had other experiences myself, which could be an absolute nightmare and, and you know, costs that can just pop up. Hey, oh, we've decided we're going to put a pool in. Oh, and you're going to, you know, incur this large chunk, Yeah, you know. Right. Yes. And that's actually happened to me recently. I have two condos in the same area, but I do try to diversify where I buy, even in, you know, if I'm buying in Florida or wherever. So right. we had an assessment come due recently, but, you know, luckily, I don't know, I see it kind of as a good thing because we switched the people that were managing the HOA and these people are so much better. They say, here are all the things, they've already started improving the area big time. And even though they increased the HOA fees, we're seeing those results right now. And it, I mean, my property still cash flow nicely. So um, that's why when I buy those condos, I make sure that I'm cash flowing a little bit more because the HOA is definitely a, a variant factor. So, yeah, and, yeah, and the assessments, you know, those can come out of nowhere. So, mm -hmm. you know, for somebody who's thinking about condos, you should do what Sarah did, which is, you know, obviously you want to talk to the HOA, but you also want to talk to the homeowners. You want to kind of see what kind of history there has been of assessments. If there's just random assessments every X amount of months or once a year, every two years, it's just something to be aware of. Let, let, let's go back to this deal because you, you said the word we. Now, is we you and the agent? Is he, did, did you have a partner? Sure. Well, my husband and I, I mean, my husband's a little less involved in it, but yeah, we is typically me and my agent. So okay. no partnerships yet, although that might be something, it's not a priority right now. So if something kind of comes across and, you know, maybe I am financially independent to a point where I want to pursue those, then that might happen in the future. So Sure, that makes sense. And this property down in Florida, are you managing that now or is there a management company? How's that working? Sure. Uh, well, since the, I just got a lot of these properties, I, I actually have four properties in Florida. They're all townhouses. They just went through a recent inspection. A lot of the handoff, uh, we can hire a, a an actual place, a company that will handle just the turnover. So they'll go, I mean, they can find you a tenant, they'll do the walkthroughs, they, you know, will manage all the, you know, before and after walkthrough inspections, they hand it back off to you. And then you just field the calls throughout that time. And luckily, you know, it's a really nice area of Florida. I have tons of friends, so they are still living down there. So when we go down and visit them, we do the walkthrough of those properties and make sure that they're still taking good care of them. So cool. for, for a company that just does the turnover, what, what cost are we talking about? I mean, typical property management, 8 to 12%, give or take. What are you paying for that? I mean, is, is sure. it less? 
Yeah, so it's uh, eight. I know that's like, yeah, eight to whatever percent for the management per month. And then I know a lot of places will take a half month's rent to a full month's rent for placing tenants. They only charge a half month's rent for everything for that one time. And then you take care of the rest. And so, so far, it's been working out nicely. You know, my properties have been, especially since I've just acquired them from other people, there's been an inspection, you know, everything's been in good shape to begin with. It's been working out, but I don't know that it'll do that for the long run. So I I may transition to full-on property management, but for now, it it is working out nicely. Gotcha. So so you haven't had repairs or any issues like that? And if they were to come up, then I guess you start to figure out maybe a transition or figure out what you're going to do at that point. Yes, yes. And, you know, at the end, they'll definitely say, okay, well, these blinds, uh, they weren't on there beforehand. And these blinds are all messed up or something. And, you know, maybe those tenants had pets and their dogs were on them or something. So, yeah, it it hasn't been a big deal yet. We've been able to address anything that I mean, honestly, and I've had little turnover so far. I've had two people turn over in because I've only been doing this for a year so far. So, Um, but yeah, it's been working out so far, but we'll see if it will down the road. That's cool. That's cool. Now, are these newer properties that kind of, or are these older, you know, like what years are these properties typically built in the townhouses? Sure. Uh, it's a mix. So down in Florida, I have two townhouses and they're actually pretty close to each other, practically neighbors. Uh, those were born or born. <laughs> they were uh, <laughs> built. <laughs> uh, they were built in, I think, the late 80s. And okay. then uh, the other ones are actually about 45 minutes away. That area is very large. So it's on the other side of the military base. And so those are about uh, probably 15 years old or so, maybe okay. 20. Okay, cool. It's just something for people to consider when you're buying a property. I mean, you can buy them like I tend to buy properties that are like 1900, 1905, 1920. And uh, I mean, my newest property is like, I think 1970s, but most of them are in the 20s or before. But I live in this local area. I expect that they're going to cost more to fix up and things. But you bought a little bit newer. And some people buy only new. I mean, only the next five or 10 years. And uh, it's just something to consider when you're buying at a distance. It's sometimes a little better to buy newer like you did or at least like middle range, not the 1910 house uh, from 2,000 (laughs) miles away. Yes, yes. And I've actually been looking uh, back in Michigan. And uh, so with some networking that I've been doing, you know, I'm looking at some duplexes near college towns. And those are definitely older houses. So I've learned the questions that I need to ask for older houses, such as, you know, is the electrical updated and, you know, drywall, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, learning kind of that area as well, you know, the average age of those houses and what's good and bad about them. So, yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Uh, actually, that's a. I'm going to try to do a webinar on that on buying old houses because that's something that people deal with. I mean, why not? We should just do oh, a whole yeah. do a whole webinar on that. Anyway, I'll do that sometime. Uh, very cool. Last question I have before we kind of move on to uh, how do you finance them? Financing. So a lot of them are traditional mortgages, and I've also been utilizing my home equity line of credit to help with down payments. And, you know, because after a while, you know, I have six properties in one year. So my, my income, for example, like debt to income ratio or whatever, I can't use my rental income on my, when I apply for loans, for example, because they need two years for the most part. So I have to start transitioning to portfolio loans or, you know, looking into other means, you know, cash out refinance on other properties that I own. Cool, cool. And uh, could you could you explain a little bit on the home equity line of credit? What does that mean that I've been utilizing my home equity line of credit? Sure. What I mean by that is, um, you know, I obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but I don't have all this money just laying around to put on. No, down but you're payments you're in the military though, and the military gets paid really <laughs> well. We all know, right? I mean, you guys are oh, rolling yeah. in six figure jobs there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. I mean, in, you know, we do, I, I make a comfortable living. Absolutely. But I'm not going to keep that as uh, you know, keep that money liquid for the most part. Sure. So I don't want to put it in index funds, mutual funds, and then pull it out. I'd rather, um, you know, utilize, I guess, you know, I'd rather leverage money. So uh, that's been very great. And on this end, because as I start cash flowing more, I just pay down the, you know, the HELOC right away or as much as possible. And then when I'm able to move, you know, I can just put it on the HELOC again if I want to. That isn't always the case, but it's definitely helped accelerate my ability to acquire properties. 
Okay. So essentially you have like a line of credit on your personal house that you can use then to buy these other ones. Yeah. I, I love that strategy. I did the same thing when I was starting my first property. Actually, I got a HELOC on it and I used that as well. So um, can I, can I plug, can I plug Josh? You can let me plug. I got a whole chapter on really? this in the book on oh, uh, investing in real estate with no and low money down, which you can pick oh, up boy. at biggerpockets.com slash no money or on Amazon. Whole chapter on HELOC. So all right. There you go. Perfect. Fabulous. Right. Fabulous. Are you done? Okay. My I'm time. done plugging. Done plugging. Seriously? Are you sure? Biggerpockets.com slash no money. <laughs> oh, and, and you know, when you have a free chance, take a look at a picture of me. I'm magnificent. Yeah. I'm take, Turner. Take, take a look. Take a look. <laughs> All right. All right. So you've got the four, you got these four townhouses in Florida and you had mentioned two condos in Colorado. So t- tell us, did those come in order, like the four Florida, then the two Colorado or... No, actually, it's it's interesting because when I bought my first townhouse down there, somebody from, I mean, it's just kind of a line of townhouses, you know, again, no HOA, but there is a guy that kind of connects everybody where, you know, if they want to, I don't know, have barbecues or something, he emails everybody. So he sent me an email and, uh, you know, I told him I was an investor and he said, oh, great, you know, I have an investment condo there Then I was looking to, or townhouse, and I was looking to sell that maybe in the future. And then he eventually connected me to somebody two or three doors down who wanted to sell his property. So we started off with that townhouse and then eventually, you know, started looking, I think it went Florida first. And then I found the Colorado condo, the first Colorado condo. And then I guess it just kind of waterfalled. So from there, I, you know, another Florida deal popped up. And so I bought one, you know, that's 45 minutes away from my very first townhouse there. And then I was contacted by the guy who wanted to sell the townhouse just a few doors down, if this makes sense. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not being too, no, too confusing. Yeah. And so it was kind of interesting because I wasn't sure how many properties I was going to have by the end of, you know, December within six months, I had three properties and then an offer already in for a fourth one. So it all just kind of pops out of the woodwork as uh, opportunities arise and you can prepare yourself. And the HELOC has helped me do that. So right on. No, that's great. Awesome. So so you've done six deals. You did six deals in your first year once you actually got going. And what, what's the plan here? I mean, are you are you trying to get to some number? Are you trying to become a full-time investor? You know, wh- what's the long-term goal uh, with, with where you're going? Sure. Well, my long-term plan was financial independence. So, uh, you know, I wanted to completely replace my current income, but financial independence is, you know, uh, am I making enough to cover my expenses? And so, uh, you know, I thought, okay, I can do that with, you know, seven properties at least, right? And I was able to cash flow a little better with those properties. So I reached, you know, financial independence in the sense uh, a little bit earlier. So uh, with those six properties, and I thought, okay, seven properties by summer of 2017, and I'll be good. And um, I got six by, you know, by May of 2016. And I thought, okay, well, maybe if we do 10 by 2017, and, you know, now we're about to, you know, have this, hopefully have this duplex in Michigan. So that'll be a few more doors. And so now, you know, I think the, the plan is still financial independence, acquire those properties as they go, you know, about, you know, 20, 25 years, think about changing out those properties so we can continue the depreciation and the tax uh, benefits of them to other rentals and maybe even an apartment complex. Uh, you know, so I've been looking into that a little bit more. I, I really like that podcast on breaking into apartment complexes. So maybe that down the line and I'd have that kind of as a soft 2025, but we'll see. Maybe it'll be a nice. lot earlier. <laughs> So it's yeah. it's a little bit of a slippery slope. So, you know, seven became ten. Ten's becoming an apartment that, right? complex. <laughs> and little by little, you know, you get hooked on this thing. L- let me ask you about finding the deal. So it sounds like everything you're you're not out there. You know, you're trying to get financial independence. You're trying to create a business that provides you with cash flow. You're not trying to build a business that you have to be active in like flipping houses or wholesaling. This is more of a more of a passive endeavor, you know, some people would call true investing. Are you actively marketing to find these properties or it's just like, you know, you've got a plan little by little, slow slow as it goes and and kind of get them as they come? What's well, what's the plan? 
Sure. It's a little bit of both. So it started out just, you know, connecting with an agent and trying to find out, okay, well, uh, you know, this per- this property cash flows nicely. And after a while, you start, again, you start networking. So I'm connected to wholesalers now. And so wholesalers will come to me and say, hey, I have this property, you want it? And, uh, you know, we can work a deal from there. So it gets a little bit easier. I- I'm not trying, you know, like uh, you had a 23-year-old with 58 deals or something recently, (laughs) which was insane because as I'm listening to that, I'm thinking, wow, and I'm about to record this podcast. What do they want to hear from me? But (laughs) um, it it was just amazing. It was amazing hearing what he does, you know, and maybe someday that will be something that I set my eye on. But currently, you know, being employed full time and I also have, you know, a side job that I do as well. So that is currently not a priority. And and so I'm just as as things come to me, um, I take advantage of them and I will go looking for opportunities if I'm ready or if, I don't know, um, they aren't coming to me. Yeah. Makes well, sense. just, just to expand on that point there, you know, we had, you know, Devin on the show, uh, who was a guy who'd done like, you know, 50 some deals and, and 23 years old. And those shows are amazing. And that show was incredible. At the same time, people love to hear stories like yours, right? Like it's so much, oh, yeah. it's attainable, right? Like you're doing what everyone wants to do is I'm, I'm going out there, I'm getting financial independence. I have this number, I have a goal set. Like it's just so like, real and like this is what i mean i don't know i love that i love your story i think it's fantastic i do too i mean i i think a lot of people a lot of people don't want to be full-time investors a lot of people don't yeah. want to you know be constantly doing their real estate they they want to pick up some properties and and find financial independence i mean that's that's their goal so i i think it's awesome as well yeah yeah good job all right so Thanks. what is what about the bad things like what's the biggest obstacle you faced in real estate has everyone everything been easy for you have you had any trouble yeah, there have been a few obstacles um, and, you know, mistakes along the way. So uh, for obstacles, actually, and it was going back to that very first deal, we were, you know, we put the offer on the place and, you know, everything was looking good. And about three or four days before we were supposed to close, my lender came back saying, we can't finance this deal. Mm. And yeah, it, it was, it was incredible. I, I mm. couldn't believe it. And so, you know, it turns out they just didn't get paperwork done in time and they said, well, it'll be, you know, another three weeks or so. And, um, you know, we weren't really open to doing that. And the sellers were, kind of, you know, it was either this or possible financial trouble for them. So we were able to, you know, create a fine, creative financing. We had, of course, some of our own cash, but uh, we were able to utilize the HELOC in order to, um, the home equity line of credit, utilize the HELOC to um, pay for the rest of property in cash. And that brought the purchase price down um, last minute too, which, so it worked out for everybody. Um, and it brought the purchase price down because initially they were paying our, our closing costs. So, wow. yeah. And so it was all great. It was, I mean, it worked out and, you know, so that was one obstacle and the, you know, another obstacle I'm facing right now is again, because I have been in this game less than two years, my rental income doesn't count as income. So when yeah. I want to finance another property. And there's plenty of other ways to get above that. Of course, you know, you can, um, you know, if you own a property outright because you paid for it with your HELOC, you can, you know, cash out, refinance, all that kind of stuff. So there are absolutely ways to get around it. And I would talk to anybody who's, who wants to acquire properties quickly is to make sure that you don't take no for an answer, because I could have called that one person who said, "Mm, no, this is, you know, you have too many properties or whatever. But then, you can ask them questions. Well, how can I, instead of, Hey, I want this, um, you know, can you give it to me versus how can I get there? So if somebody says no to you, you talk to them and say, this is, this is my specific goal. And these are the obstacles I have, but I want to know how I can get there. And if they can't help you ask who else they know that can help you. So, you know, I, I've done that before where, you know, you can call five, six, 20 people and eventually get to where you need to be. Yeah, that's that's so true. Yeah, so yeah. true. Can you real quickly explain what you mean by just in case people have never heard of that two year rule about they can't count your income as income? What is that? What do you mean by that? 
Sure. So for rental income or really, uh, and I think this might be for all income, uh, in, you have to show steady income. So for example, a lot of times when you are applying for a mortgage, they say don't switch jobs because you need that steady income. So for two years, they need to average that out for your rental income, for your regular income, whatever. Um, if you're a contractor and you just started a business in the past year, well, they need it for two years on your past uh, tax returns or most people do. So sometimes if you're, you know, a portfolio lender or, you know, hard money lender that, you know, they of course have more flexibility because they're not going to sell off your loan to somebody who has all these stipulations beforehand. But yeah, so they need to average out all of that for it to count. And unfortunately with, you know, these six properties, none of them count at the moment. Yeah. So it can be tough just to qualify for that mortgage. I, th- I could be wrong here, but I think that's actually a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac rule is they won't mm-hmm. let you count income, like rental income until you've been a landlord two years, which is a good reason why people are out there thinking I should, you know, I really want to get into real estate sometime. Go buy a rental property. Like, because two years from now, it's going to help you out quite a bit. I'm not saying buy a bad one, but you know, use that as a little bit of fire. Like the sooner you get started, the sooner that two years wears off and you can start using your rental income, your cash flow as income to qualify for more mortgages. So there you go. Exactly. Nice. Right, cool. I've got a question on this this whole plan. You know, the six to the ten to the you know again the mega apartment complex that you're looking to do. How would you put all this together? I mean, you know, you've made a decision on how many properties you wanted to buy. You, you know, you've clearly decided I don't want to be an active full time real estate investor at least for now. So how did you get that plan together, and how did you get to that first deal? There's so many people who never get to that first deal. And you know, you're not very far from that first deal. You're plus in with six properties, which is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. But help out the listeners who are sitting there saying, but how'd she do it? How'd she do it? How did she put that plan together? Like what, you know, what steps did she take? Where'd she find the agent? You know, what, what order do I have to do things in? What do I, what do I do? What, What would you tell them? Sure, sure. Well, you know, if you're not going to invest specifically in your area, it's good to get referrals to who you want to work with in real estate agents. Uh, you know, it's a lot. I mean, a lot of people might blow you off, for example, if you don't have any properties and you're saying, hey, I'm an out of state investor and I want to buy a, an investment property. Well, you can come to them again saying, this is, you know, I've done my research and this is what I'm seeing about the market. This is what I'm looking for. I see that these properties on Zillow, for example, because, you know, maybe you don't have access to the MLS. I see these properties will rent for around this area and cash flow for around this area. That's right up my alley. I would love to be put on the MLS and showings or whatever. See if these people work with investors, first of all. But if we are talking about just trying to jump into the first deal, I think a lot of times people, you know, they get afraid because, you know, they hear all these horror stories, for example, about, and we've talked about that before, or at least you all have on the podcast for evictions and all these, you know, getting this midnight phone call and having to go fix toilets or whatever. But, you know, my plan came together because I wanted to invest for cash flow. I wanted to eventually, you know, be able to walk away from a job if I didn't want to go somewhere or if I didn't want to do something and really just pursue or work because I wanted to work. And so when I found out that real estate could do that for me, I, I looked at how much cash flow I needed to replace my income and I started going for it. So if you do your research and you are factoring in all those bad things that could happen and it's looking good to you, then it looks like it's a priority for you. I think a lot of people, it's very easy to look at something and say, mm, a lot of work, no thanks. And, you know, maybe they're just not passionate enough to, you know, break through those molds. But it came together for me because I wanted that that freedom and I was able to figure out the numbers for the cash flow and eventually collect the properties to make that happen. Awesome. Cool. I love yeah. it. I love it. All right. My last question before we go to the fire round. How many hours a week do you work on your real estate? Uh, you know, that's something I've been trying to figure out lately. Um and I would say if I am actively searching, uh, if we're, if we're counting that actively searching for deals, of course, uh, uh, per week, I'd say, I don't know, maybe five to five, 
five hours ish. And I don't know that that's typical because it's not because I have to spend those five hours. It's because I'm curious. So I'll hop on Zillow and I'll just, you know, I'll surf it. I'll surf it in my free time (laughs) and I'll see, Oh, look at this. Okay. Well, you know, keeping up on the market or when I'm, especially now, since I'm trying to break into a new market, I'm doing a lot of studying, but again, you know, you say work on real estate or how much time do I really spend on real estate? You know, I, I don't know, a half hour can go by and I feel like, oh, right, I've just hopped on the computer or even more because I'm just curious. It's, and I think that's it's good. Um, if I'm ta- if you're talking about how many times or how many hours, even a month that I'm answering calls from my tenants, I don't know, maybe an hour a month, if that where I'm calling my team down in Florida saying, hey, they called in, they need this done. When can you go see them? And, you know, it all works out. So, yeah, I'd say an hour a month with six properties answering tenant related things, but otherwise research and planning the future a little bit more. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Fantastic. Awesome. All right. Moving on to the world famous fire round. It's time for the fire round. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Listen up, business owners, because I've got some quick little math for you. Fewer costs equal more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You can improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. So don't let rising costs sink your business growth. And by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. All right. The questions from the fire round come direct out of the BiggerPockets forums, which, of course, our listeners can go engage in by going to BiggerPockets.com forward slash forums. And it's totally free. So jump in. Number one, do you feel it's safe to invest where you don't live? Like, is it is it stupid for a newbie? I know like you, you've kind of been answering that this whole thing, but and some people will alter it a little bit. What's the harm I should say, what's the harm in investing out of your area? 
Well, the harm investing in out of the area is, well, first of all, you're not immersed in the culture. You know, you don't know the, you're, I guess not being immersed in the market and the economy can be an issue. So, you know, if you're investing somewhere, for example, and there's one major employer and where if they left, I don't know, like a car company or something and they or left the <laughs> or the Air Force, possibly. Yes. You know, there's one military base and you buy and, and that base closes, then what's the that what's that going to do to the economy? Are you going to have renters still? So if you don't know that, I mean, that could happen down, you know, down the line. You could be, you know, trying to invest in older houses, right, where you've been buying newer houses and you don't realize uh, to ask the questions that maybe it doesn't have electrical updated. So you have to eventually do that down the line after you figure out that you fielded five or six calls in the past two months for breakers going out or something of that nature. So I think it absolutely can be safe to do, but you do need to do your research and you need to know the questions. You need to know what to ask because you don't know what you don't know. So a lot of times it's asking people, what don't I know? Um, what are the common pitfalls here? And then jump in with a real estate agent that you trust who, who may invest themselves or at least works with investors. Perfect. 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 Well, along those lines, how do you build a great team that you trust? This is the exact question that, that's written down. I love how it just flows naturally. Uh, <laughs> how do you build a great team that you trust when you don't see them every day? Are there specific requirements that you look for? Sure. I do ask, I, I have a bunch of questions, for example, with people who are going to do the repairs, you know, of course, those, are you licensed? Do you have insurance? But uh, ask about their hours and, you know, if we have after hours type stuff going on, all the services that they offer and how they vet their employees. So, uh, you know, are you just sending a, a mom and pop shop over there, which, you know, I, I have supported in the past, but sometimes it's just easier to have somebody that you can call right away. And you know that if somebody else is on vacation, that they can come and take their place. The real estate agent that I work with in Florida is amazing. I happen to be at training for the Air Force and my flight mate in my training, uh, his wife was the agent. So, of course, she knew about investors and everything. She's been phenomenal. And then... Of course, just, I mean, referrals asking around. So there have been plenty of people that say, hey, I know this person. And, you know, being specific with what you want. You need to be clear with what your goals are to be able to fulfill your goals. So if you're saying, hey, I want somebody who's reliable. I want somebody who is quick. I want somebody who isn't going to cheat me over or whatever. Uh, you know, you lay that all out and you make sure that as you talk to people, you can do that. And actually, uh, the contractor I work with down in Florida who does all my repairs was through Thumbtack. And so, uh, you know, I took a bunch of bids and I interviewed everybody. And, you know, and then I also get feedback from, you know, for example, if they happen to go somewhere where the tenant is actually home and the tenant sees them do the repairs, I ask if they're a professional. All of that feedback is good for keeping people on and finding people. I especially like that note. Really quick. Oh, yeah. Thumb oh, yes. So Thumbtack is, uh, you know, you can have it as an app on your phone, as a website, but you put out a bid for your zip code saying, I need XYZ done, and you'll have up to five people respond, uh, you know, and place a bid saying, I can do it for this price, I can do it at this time, or whatever, I can fulfill these services. Yeah, so, cool. um, yeah, and I would say if you are pursuing Thumbtack, something I found that works is sometimes I'll put out a work order and I won't get a lot of feedback. And so I've learned that I'd say I'm a real estate investor. I need this done and maybe it's something small, but, you know, I need this done. And even though it's this small thing and, you you know, it may not be worth it to put in a bid, I'm an investor and I have calls coming in all the time for requests. So if you can do this, you'll absolutely get repeat business and then that'll get people always replying so that's cool that's a good tip yeah. well one thing you mentioned a second ago that i wanted to point out that I, I really like and we do a lot in our company is asking the tenant later how the contractor was so part of our entire system is whenever a contractor goes over to do a maintenance request my kind of office manager will actually call the tenant every time and say was it taken care of you know well how did the contractor do is every are you satisfied you know like and and that has helped us a tr in a tremendous way feel out the bad ones you know yeah he came in but he stunk like cigarette smoke real bad and like he you know he's kind of mean to us or my, he yelled at my kid whatever like we find 
find those things out, then we don't use them anymore. So yeah, great tip. That's there. a terrible contractor. <laughs> we, we've had yeah. such bad. Wow, we've had we, like we've had. Kids? We had a contractor once that wouldn't talk to women because he didn't think women like were good enough to talk to, and so like he would only talk to them. It was weird. Like we've had weird wow. contractors. Yeah, welcome, That's welcome no to good. Podunk. Yeah, welcome to Podunk. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Number well, and I three. Find oh god. <laughs> I would say I find tenants uh, are very appreciative when you follow up too. You know, yes. they know that you as the landlord care and, yep. Uh, yep. you know, we'll take care of them if, if it's not taken care of it in the way that they appreciate. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, ran, random funny story. So we had a, a water leak recently at one of our properties and we, after it was or not a water, it was a, uh, the bathtub overflowed a little bit because it was a drain stoppage. Anyway, long story, got a plumber, took care of the problem. And we even went above and beyond and we hired a professional house cleaner to come in and clean up everything. Like, even though it was already clean, I mean, she just detailed that whole section of the house really nicely. The tenant got mad at us and called just like crazy angry because they thought you must be covering something up. Did somebody die in this house or did, was, was this a meth house? And she was like accusing us of doing something bad because we went above and beyond. So this is You're random. You're always going to wow. find paranoid yeah. people. Yeah, paranoid. She was so paranoid. I know. Wow. <laughs> I know. We're like, crap. I got nine months. quick tip. Yeah, quick tip. <laughs> Careful of the paranoid ones. So, all right. Anyway, number three, should people manage their own properties or should they look to hire it out, especially in the beginning? Well, I think that's a big personality question. Uh, I have learned a lot managing my own property, figuring out, for example, air conditioning, uh, you know, if there's a power surge, uh, you know, what can I just tell tenants to do to see if we actually need somebody, you know, hey, you could just go in here, flip this breaker, flip the outside breaker, whatever, with not being physically there. And I don't know. I think it depends if you are worried that you're going to get a phone call in the middle of the night and that's going to absolutely ruin you. Then, you know, it, it it's for me, managing my own properties has relaxed me a lot. It's helped me understand the property a little bit more that I own and don't live in. And it's helped me realize that, okay, a call has come in and now I can just field that call elsewhere and it'll all work out. And, you know, instead of me being worried about all these calls coming in and having, oh, I don't know, for whatever reason, oh, this call came in and it's a, it's a horrible house. The tenants are mad at me. Oh, no, they're not. They, something happened. The tenants called. We took care of it quickly and life is good and it's moved on. And, you know, in a way I've saved some money, not utilizing property management, doing something that I'm happy to do. And it doesn't stress me out anymore if it, you know, if I, I do get that call. But at the same time, you know, somebody might say, absolutely not. I can't do this. And, you know, I would probably recommend, you know, especially if you feel, you know, if you're going to travel a lot uh, and you just can't give the proper attention to your tenants when calls do come through, absolutely hire property management. Yeah. And, and really key. quickly for, for, for listeners, uh, when you're, when you're factoring in the acquisition of a property, you always want to factor in property management. Always, yeah. always, always. Because if you end up doing what Sarah's doing, then at the end of the day, okay, it's there's bonus on top that, you know, instead of paying, you know, eight to twelve percent, she's paying, let's say, six on average. Okay, she saves a few percentage points that way. But had she not, you know, maybe in a year or two, she's gonna end up using property management and now she's bleeding money because she, the yep. property manager is taking all of uh, her profit. So you're, always, you're always story. factor that in. You're telling my story. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Sucks. All right. Last question. For young investors who might lose momentum, do you have any tips to keep them on track? What kept you on track? What kept you motivated? What kept you going? Absolutely. Uh, so what, well, what kept me going is going for that specific cash flow number. So if you are losing steam for whatever reason, I think it's good to reevaluate your, your goals. What are you actually going for and what obstacles are demotivating you, if anything? And, you know, what can you, well, uh, maybe hop onto bigger pockets and, you know, listen to all these podcasts to remotivate you because they absolutely do for me. I, I mean, every time I, I hear about, you know, a 23 year old doing insane things that I never even thought about <laughs> doing at 23. You know, it, it, it's amazing. So uh, what keeps me going is that financial security in the future, working toward that retirement, uh, being able to pick up for, I don't know, what, whatever amount of time and see the world experience, you know, have new experiences, be able to support family, you know, parents in the later stages of life, whatever may come down the line. So uh, that's what keeps me going. And, you know, because that was such a big 
financial blueprint for me to have that security. It's amazing what it's done for me because now instead of me worrying about down the line, what if, what if, what if, I'm just thinking, okay, it's all taken care of. I can do, I can concentrate on the here and now and not worry so much about what's down the line and what may come. And it it really is a beautiful thing. So if that's something that you're struggling with and you're losing steam, um, find, find that thing that you need to have and, um, figure out how real estate can serve it. I love that. That's great. Awesome. All right. Well, before we get out of here, let's end with our world famous. Famous for. All right. These are the same questions we ask every guest every week. So I know you've heard them before. So let's start at number one. Oh, yeah. What is your favorite real estate related book? Oh, real estate related book. I think it kind of goes along with the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series. And uh, this is going to mix a little bit with the business book as well. But it's, uh, again, Robert Kiyosaki, Who Took My Money? And uh, that, that, yes, it, it is my favorite book in the whole series. It's, uh, you know, it's a little bit more detailed than Rich Dad, Poor Dad, of course, but it touches on a lot of his other books as well in a more compressed manner. So if you're wondering about, you know, stocks, bonds, real estate, it's all, you know, how to invest, all of that kind of stuff. It's a lot more compressed and in, in really, really interesting in terms of how you can make your money work for you. And cool. it's got an awesome title that I would love hearing Mr. T read. Yeah. <laughs> Who took money? my money? <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right. So you're going to have to pick another book for your favorite business book. So what's, what's your favorite business book? Sure. Uh, well, what helped me focus. So currently, I guess business book is uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. I've already kind of talked about that. Um, it really helped me focus on the why of my business, which is also something very important. And you'll find that in the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series books, too, is uh, concentrating on what you're doing and why you're doing it and how you're getting there. So uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. All right. So what do you do for fun besides, you know, flying in the back of fighter jets or front <laughs> of fighter jets? Sure, sure. Uh, I I love to dance. I grew up a dancer, and I teach dance. Uh, it's my secondary job locally here, and teach violin, and I do jujitsu. So I like a little bit of martial arts, and I like to run. So a lot oh. of exercise. Stuff. So you're like a dancing jujitsuing fighter <laughs> pilot. Nothing, nothing yes. interesting there. It was a lot of fun in ROTC, uh, you know, teaching that. Um, I, I'm a combatives instructor for the Air Force as well, so it's been a whole lot of fun. Hey Brandon, I, I know. I can fight. We I know. Have big guys, you, uh, yep. you want to challenge them? So let's let's hear it. Whenever we have this <laughs> next bigger pockets conference, no, I'm just a big guy, so I bet I could take you. Do you think? Oh, yeah. Do you think I could take you? <laughs> you know, you know martial arts, Dude, you, and I can throw you people. You would have your ass kicked so <laughs> bad by about, her. It's not about like, size; it's the it's the technique. And you're All like right, five we're doing two, it then, right, Sarah. You're small. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It would be really right, fun to watch her throw you. I would just uh, yep. get so much pleasure out of watching <laughs> a, an ass romping. <laughs> All right. Good. Good deal. All right. Well, next, uh, whenever we do the next Bigger Pockets conference, Josh, we're gonna have a yeah. wrestling match on stage. It's gonna be great. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. My final question of the day: What do you believe sets apart the successful real estate investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Oh, I think uh, it's a mixture of things. First of all, in the book, Who Took My Money, it talks specifically about winners who can lose and still win. So you need to factor in the fact that you will lose at some point. You know, you you may make a mistake, may obstacle or something out of your control may happen. But are you factoring that into what your plan is? And if so, you'll see, you know, if you are still winning overall, right, you can lose and still win. So that scares a lot of people away. And when I talk about before, such as evictions or whatever it may come, I think also sometimes people get advice from the wrong people, you know, the naysayers. I worked briefly with a real estate agent who discouraged me from buying my first condo here in Colorado. And, you know, as garden level unit, they said, oh, no, you don't want to buy that. You're not going to find any renters. And it is my best cash flowing asset right now. So, you know, that's one thing. Maybe they need to network a little bit more with like-minded people. Uh, you know, and it's good to have naysayers to make sure that, you know, they're you're thinking of everything and you're still passionate about it even after the fact. And I guess the last thing I would say are priorities. I think a lot of people would say, oh, you know, for me, right, uh, you know, I'd love to run, you know, a, a mile and a half under 10 minutes and 30 seconds. But for me, well, am I willing, is it enough of a priority that I'm going to go out and run in sprints every day and do that? 
that. Well, maybe not. I like to run for distance, not for speed. <laughs> so, um, you know, a lot of times people just, it's not a priority for them. So I think the people who give up, it just wasn't a, the biggest priority or it wasn't serving enough of their priorities. And that's why they give up. That's Fantastic. so true. Yeah. yeah. All right, Sarah, before we let you go, how can people connect with you? Where can they find out more about you? Sure. Uh, I'm on bigger pockets and, you know, I'm happy to answer questions and uh, connect through there. So Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate you sharing your story. And obviously, hopefully when you listen to show 183, you're also going to be pumped and motivated by this woman who is out there who's done these steals and, you know, yeah. I'll yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, it's right, been fun. We'll easy. see you on the site. Yeah. All right. Bye. All right, guys, that was Sarah Pritchett. Big thanks to Sarah. Again, really cool show. Not that the other people we bring on the show aren't, quote, normal people. Those <laughs> nammies. <laughs> but so, like, she's just, you know, she's kind of an everyday person who's using real estate to a purpose. It's, it's not like she's all out, you know, balls to the wall kind of thing. Can I even say that on my show? Uh, <laughs> sure. Real estate investor. I don't know if that's crass, but. I don't know um, either. I actually don't yeah. know what, what that even means, but I mean, we say it's it. It's like hardcore, right? It's yeah. like, ah! But when it, yeah, anyway, yeah, she's super I, relatable, super yeah. uh, fun, cool. And uh, I think, yeah, I think anybody listening to the show, you can achieve what she's doing. Even if you work yes. a full-time job, if you live in an expensive area, if you live in the hottest market in the U.S. today is Denver. And if you live in Denver, you can still do it. If you live in L.A., San Francisco, New York, I don't care. You can do what she's doing. Yeah, he doesn't care about any of you. I don't care about any of you. All I care about is me and my hot tub. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Amazing 4th of July. All right. Ridiculous. All right, man. Well, let's get out of here, guys. Check out the site. Jump on the forums, biggerpockets.com slash forums. Check out the show notes, biggerpockets.com slash show 183. Jump on the webinars, biggerpockets.com slash webinar. We put them on every week. Definitely get yourself over there. And that's it. We'll see you next week. I'm Josh Dorkin, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio. Simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leka Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.